Machute Mate recognizes the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and any indigenous elders of other communities who may be listening today. We stand in solidarity in their struggle towards the colonization and land back. Me, gente. This is um. Stop laughing, T, bro. Uh, this is my <laughs> This episode, like T's laughing because this is supposed to be a really dope, like, comer conversation as we normally um do. But unfortunately, our, our guest had to pull out um pretty last minute, which is which is more than fine. Um, good, good, good comrade. Um, so we're sort of doing an after dark type of style type of episode. Um, just a little glimpse into what the page uh, the compas oficiales get. And if you enjoy this sort of format, definitely consider um, donating to the Patreon so you can get more of this and help the cause as well. Um, and you'll see that um, so why we're so confused that like sometimes people reach out to us like, oh, like you guys are experts on this and that, whatever, when we're just a bunch of fucking idiots, man. Like, But um, these are always fun. <laughs> we hope you enjoy. Um, T's in a fairly good mood. Austin looks like he's about to collapse from his um, 5G um, implantation. So um, that'll be very, very interesting. Anyway, um, also a quick reminder, it's been like 1,300 in like seven days since Biekis has had a hospital, so always keep that in your fucking hearts. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. um, one of our good comrades, friend of the show who was on here before, Arepa Libre, um, is, in the, is on, on the main island, on the big island, because um, for, for reasons, she's going to have to be there a little bit longer, and she's going to be setting up, um, she needs some financial assistance, so she'll be setting something up, but we're going to push um, and any liberatory struggle for Puerto Rico starts with Vieques. So in the spirit of, you know, of the struggle and of being comradely, you know, definitely we'll put that out and definitely we'll push it. And hopefully y'all can show some love to a very, very good comrade, one of our favorite people in the world. Um, but that's forthcoming. So um, check out for that. Anyway. Um, yeah. So where do you want to kick it off? Big news. A lot of, lot, a lot of big news today. Austin, go ahead. Once again, shout out to Arepa Libre, uh, Solidarity. Uh, number 100%. two, I think you referred to us three, what was the word you used, fucking idiots or not experts? Uh, suit yourselves. Thank you very much. I do I do claim to be an expert. Thank you very much. Um, I take pride in being able to name all the states of Venezuela on a blank map. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, you could call me an expert, a genius, shit, and a prodigy. So thank you. Exactly. The case in point. Thank you. Yeah. hold up hold up hold up so there's something you mentioned earlier leroy that um i want we should put on the show because um because the reason you said you mentioned i seem in a fairly good mood i am i just got off a seven day stretch of work and it's my first day uh, off after here we go. again seven here days go. working great right so what did you just tell me before we started recording about that what is it like in Australia? Tell uh, me. Yeah, look, this is what I always talk about, that being in Australia, but being from the U.S. puts me in the unfortunate position that I feel the need to defend Australia. <laughs> so you said you just came off seven days straight. Um, as far as I'm aware, in, at least in my industry, it is illegal to work more than six days in a row without a, a day in between. And you can only work something like fucking like 12 days within, within a fortnight. 
So that's um two weeks for um you savages outside of the Commonwealth. Um, and yeah, there's a whole bunch of rules. You can't work more than 10 hours in a day or all, all this other bullshit. Like if you work a split shift, that second shift needs to be paid at like double your rate or some shit. At a minimum wage, that's already like $23 an hour. So that that's that. Fuck me. Yeah. God damn. Fuck me. Like for real though. Like I, cause I've worked, I, I told you earlier, like, and I know you, I'm sure you have as well over in the States. I've worked well past seven days in a row before. And I've definitely worked like working more than 10 hours a day is, is a normal day, you know? Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. God, that's amazing. It's funny because again, like I'm, I'm in management. So a lot of the times I'm in charge of doing like the, the rosters and schedules and stuff. And there are times where like we're short staffed and I'm stressing the fuck out because if I put this one, this person, they'll be on for more than the X amount of days. They'll have to work like a 10 hour shift. So they have to go home at this time and they have to get this person in also minimum oh, shift. Minimum shift is three hours. So you can't, no one can work less than a three hour shift. Um, and I think within a X amount of time, everyone's guaranteed at least a three-hour shift. Again, that's in that's in my industry. So if you're employed, minimum is a three-hour shift once. I think it's a fortnight or once a month or something. So at least there's something there. Um, so it makes it harder to just like sort of phase someone out. Um, it, I mean, it, it happens. There's there's ways around it, but yeah. Of course, of yeah. course, capitalists are going to capitalist, right? Boss is going to boss. Yeah, hundred percent. But that also leads into the precarity of like work status because there's all these labor protections. They can get away on the other end by increasing or hiring like casual employment. So a lot of the people that work, especially like a retail fast food, are technically casuals that they don't have set number of hours. They're not guaranteed any hours. Again, all they're guaranteed is like the three hours once every one ever. But in saying that, their their pay rate's a bit higher if they work those amount of days in a row they get paid an extra rate um but the precarity of actual shifts of working is a bit higher if that makes sense hmm. you know what i mean yeah it's it's all convoluted that's we'll, interesting we'll, that's we'll, really we'll, interesting. Have, we'll, we'll have to do a whole podcast about it but yeah that's the social democratic republic of fucking australia <laughs> i don't know austin's austin's what are you saying going to me for it looked like you were trying to you were about to say something but i guess not uh-huh what um anyway in no, i was gonna that, say you got, you got your 5g how's that uh no it was um well here's the thing since i got pfizer i've heard there's less side effects with pfizer as opposed to moderna whatever the fuck that means um i guess my arm only feels kind of sore right now um i don't know i feel fine though it, it doesn't really feel like anything it was my first dose so apparently the second one hits harder as they say i don't know um I don't know. I'm just ready to get it over with, ready to get it over with so I can start traveling again. Right. Oh, my goodness. Mm. I man, got so many good uh, vacation ideas on deck. Um, Vacation. You have time uh, for that? Well, uh, business trip. How about that? Business trip. I've got a lot of (laughs) business trip. No, honestly, what I mean is Puerto Rico. That's what I honestly mean when I say Mm. vacation slash business trip. Right. Like there's plenty of people we got to see down there, man. And I uh, I would love to be able to go back and uh, visit the islands sometime soon and not be an asshole about it. Right. So hopefully uh, get all vaxxed up, go down there. Um, But no, I'd say this day today 
This whole fucking week, matter of fact, this whole fucking weekend, bro, it's been an emotional roller coaster. Emotional mm. roller coaster for every possible reason you could possibly imagine. Not least among them, the two, <laughs> two critical events that happened today, right? One that is completely and utterly pointless, the European Super League. And the other, <laughs> and the other, the the verdict, the verdict, right, of the Derek Chauvin trial, yeah. um, which once again, those for for many reasons, this whole week has been a an emotional roller coaster for your boy. I'm not gonna lie here, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. But today in particular, today in particular, those two of oh, also, holy shit! You see, you guys are letting me ramble now. Somebody's got to cut me off here. I will go for the whole hour just rambling. Um, this morning. Before we even get into the two fucking items here, this morning, I have to plug, I did a, I I was a part of the, I think they called it the virtual people's hearing, some shit like that. Um, I was invited by Vamos, you know, Justo Mendez and Vamos from Puerto Rico, uh, Diaspora yeah. and Resistencia, Maria, we love Maria. A shout out to all those wonderful no, yeah. people. We, Yo, uh, Maria, did, was, yeah. we did Maria was quoted in time, in that, in that time article. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, Maria's my hero. Um. Yeah, uh, God, we gotta get Maria. Shout out Florida. For a... Yo, honestly, why didn't we ask Maria to come on tonight? Like, she might have been able to, and that would have been like the best episode ever. Uh, anyways, Maria, if you're listening, we're gonna get you on this ep- podcast one day. Um, be anyways, uh, yes, because uh, anyways, uh, anyway. yeah, we did a hearing, but uh, um, specifically geared toward uh, people in Puerto Rico regarding the Puerto Rican Self Determination Act. Uh, it was yeah. held alongside groups from Puerto Rico. Mary Lou Guzman spoke. We love Mary Lou. She's amazing. A lot of different groups spoke. I was super duper honored to be able to to speak about um, about Puerto Rican issues, man. And like I said, I just miss Puerto Rico, dude. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could go back. Um, but I'll shut up now. I don't know who wants to lead us on. Uh, what are we? Where are we going with this one? The Super League or the Chauvin trial? God damn it. Or yeah, let's I go with Super League first. Yeah. Oh shit! Okay, let's go light to heavy. Light to heavy. Exactly, Super League. Um, yeah. So if you Americans who aren't into soccer, we're living on the rock. Big news in world football: the Jogo Bonito, God's game. Um, <laughs> in typical fashion, the big the big teams were kind of stomping their feet and mad and fucking whatever the fuck and decided to um split away from their competitions um for you americans again who don't follow soccer if you can name five teams guaranteed that those five teams were in this so in the so in england it was man city man U, uh chelsea tottenham arsenal fucking um liverpool of course um in italy fucking juventus um internazionale inter milan ac milan Mel Madrid and Barcelona. Is that all of them? No teams from France, no teams from Germany. Um, but looks slowly but surely, it looks like it's collapsing because all the English teams pulled out because all the fans kind of took to the streets and were like, what the fuck is this? You know, soccer's for the fans. You know, the, fa- the poor fans are the ones, you know, who built this game. And you have these rich fucks up there who are trying to monopolize all the, all the funding and all the money and all the capital that goes into the, this multi-billion, trillion-dollar global industry. Um, but yeah, thoughts, guys. Austin, uh, I'm gonna absolutely defer to Austin on this one. Shit. Yeah. But um, really, really quick. Oh, you know what team did not join? Motherfucking Napoli, because they keep it fucking real. Because they're a team of the people. Just, just saying. 
<laughs> uh, that that would be one interpretation. <laughs> um uh yeah, uh oh Jesus. Um uh oh god, what was I about to say? Oh yeah, okay, super loose. Um twelve so yeah, a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts, a lot of messages. Sorry, people blowing up my phone. Excuse me, you know. Um, so twelve, like you, like you kind of laid out there, Leroy. First of all, I was shocked Spurs was involved, right? Like I feel like Spurs are the kind of team that are like always on the peripheries of this sort of. So also, they talk about this shit every year, right? They talk about a European Super League every single year. It's rumored all the time. The big clubs getting money. What the core of this is is this is the big European teams looking at the United States model, right? The closed model licking their lips and thinking oh my god if we just had a league where it was just us we could gobble up all the money and have all the funds <laughs> like they love the mls model right they would love to do that in europe um and i think and that's of course not to say that oh european teams have like integrity compared to united states teams fuck no real madrid has no integrity are you shitting me right now absolutely you know you get started on juventus <laughs> you know you get started on juventus are you kidding me right now but that's not what it's about. It's the fact that that's still, the, you know, through promotion and relegation, you know, even the smallest club can at least dream of, you know, reaching the Champions League one day, so on and so forth. Um, this year, not this year, just this last fucking week, it seemed as though they finally pulled the trigger on it, on doing a fucking Super League. Those 12 clubs that you listed, Leroy, literally came together, as you said, and basically told everybody else to fuck off told the European the the European Football Association UEFA to fuck off everybody to fuck off we're doing our own thing we're going to create our own league we're going to make all the fucking money and their bullshit reasons were for covid right oh all the losses we faced from covid we got to do it now we got to do it now to make up for we got to buy more yachts right all this kind of shit um and so it's what's amazing though is the amount of backlash there was man yeah because there was so much backlash from everybody it's totally collapsed already which is why i say dude emotional roller coaster yo boris johnson was talking shit yeah bro he he kind of he kind (laughs) of tiptoed but he but he came out against it yeah of of course he did you want to know why t the average english person hates this he has no choice but to come out right he has literally no right. choice. Like, imagine if the president of the United States, like, tried to go to, like, fully go to war with the NFL. Like, not Donald Trump's bullshit rhetoric, right? Truly saying, I hate American football, let's destroy it, right? No politician would even dare do something like that, right? Because of the power right. that <laughs> sports has on average people. Um, but, yeah, it's it, the fact, like, this is why I say emotional roller coaster. Jesus Christ. I was, th- I, I woke up this morning. Wow thinking fucking soccer might be changed forever and now i go to bed thinking oh okay looks like it's not gonna happen like this i i'm sorry i'll I'll shut up now the the fucking uh pfizer is uh, flowing through my veins Nah, yo, it, it's funny because i think it was actually brendan brendan o'connor fan of the show who tweeted out because he's a he's a tottenham fan um tweeted something out like it's it's really funny and really interesting and almost sad when fifa and, Wa- and wafer have the moral high ground and seem like they're the grassroots organizations. You know what I mean? You have perhaps perhaps the single most corrupt, perhaps the single most corrupt sporting body in the world, fucking FIFA. They have the moral high ground on this, on this issue. Like, get the fuck out of here, man! Like, oh my god, for real. 
It's fucking incredible. And like, I think it was um, uh, what's his name, Florentino Perez, the president of fucking Real Madrid or whatever the fuck his name is. Like they asked him, "Oh, don't you think this is gonna destroy football? Don't you think it's gonna be worse for the other teams?" He basically came out, "I don't give a shit. Who cares?" Like some shit so, like that. So it's funny. The fan bases, and I'm not trying to shit on anybody in particular, whatever, but the fan bases that have been, like, the most cool with this that I've at least noticed are, you know, the Real Madrid fan base and a lot of the Italian fan bases, right? Like Juventus, Inter, and Milan. And here's why. Here's why. Those, yeah, those teams, (laughs) well, those teams are heels. Like, those fans eat that up. They eat up them being assholes, right? That's the whole point of being a fan of those teams. The teams where there's been backlash is like Manchester United, Liverpool, Manchester City. Now, we might think of Manchester United as heels, but Manchester United fanboys think of the club as like, oh, the working class of Manchester from the old days and shit like that. You know, they look at themselves as baby faces, especially Liverpool. They think of themselves as like a, a good guy fan base. So because of that, it's those fans that are like, what are you doing? Oh my god! To me, bro, I'm I'm shocked. Here's the thing: I wasn't surprised that the German clubs didn't sign on. That didn't shock me too much. I'm shocked PSG didn't sign on. The fact that Paris didn't uh, sign on. What the fuck? Like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it at all. Like, it, it, maybe we could say something about you know maybe French society is averse to that sort of thing. But dude, PSG is owned by like fucking Qatari sheiks and shit. Like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know. I could be wrong, but the backlash to this from FIFA and UEFA was to ban the players for these clubs to play in like the domestic competition and to play in the World Cup or whatever. World Cup's going to be, what, next year? France is trying to go back to back here. So I don't know if like French society kind of like reeled in PSG. It's like, hey, we have a good chance of doing back to back. Let them do whatever the fuck. We stay in. We have this in the bag, essentially. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it's a thought, but Germany as well. They have that um that fifty plus one model that basically gives ownership of the teams to the fans. We could talk about that, but T, you have a thought, bro. Well, no, real quick. Um, my question was going to be: um, Have we had any uh, players from any of these teams that have joined up who are like, uh, actually, I'm not really down with this. Like, or like, has this been a decision entirely from the management side, or is uh? Is there a fucking, uh, or has it been like the players are like lockstep in favor of this kind of this money grab? I, I know um, Andrew Herrera came out pretty strongly against this because um, he used to play for, for Man U, if I'm not mistaken, but he plays for PSG now, I think. And he came out strong against it because, like, uh, basically, I'm ashamed that as a, you know, I play for Man U, I'm a proud, you know, you know, alumnus of Man U. It's, it's, I'm ashamed that they would do this. Because you know the fans built this game. It's a game I grew up being poor and like watching and blah 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 and all this shit. But under Hera, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Gary Neville, right? Gary, Gary Neville, Neville the Manchester yeah. United, yeah, the Manchester United legend, icon. Oh yeah, red in his red devil in his veins, right? He came out and blasted everybody, dude. Blasted the whole project, dude. Bob Woodward resigned. The fucking like, oh, God, I don't know what the basically the CEO of Manchester United. I forget what his actual title is maybe president or some shit like that. He resigned because there were three main ringleaders of this, it seems, that really pushed this and are taking a lot of the heat. Um, Bob Woodward, once again, because he's with Manchester United and they see themselves for the most part as baby faces, he actually faced pressure and resigned. The other two fucks, because they're from heel fan bases, dude, they're not going to fucking resign. Florentino Perez, who was the president from Real Madrid, and Andrea Agnelli from Juventus, who was supposed to be the vice president of the ESL, right? Andrea Agnelli, who, I'm sorry, played... 
easily the most evil role in this entire process, basically knifing the entire UEFA in the back because he was the president of the what's known as the European Club Associations. He was literally talking to these people just a week ago, lying to them in front of their faces so that a week later he can stab them all in the fucking backs. Andrea Agnelli is the godfather to Alexander uh, Seferin's uh, child, Seferin, the president of UEFA, and he literally just knifed him in the back, not even giving a single fuck. Seferin literally put out a statement saying, oh, these snakes. He's referring to Andrea Agnelli, who's a giant piece of shit. (laughs) But once again, once again, Juventus heels, they're not going to give a fuck, man. Like, there was rumors that, and I don't know, maybe something broke now. There were rumors that Andrea Agnelli might be forced to step down. I don't know, man. Andrea Agnelli, once again, the Agnelli family, they're like fiat, right? So they're rich as fuck. This is truly Italian bourgeoisie kind of shit. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what the fuck. Here's the thing. What what I was worried about the most, and it looks like it's not going to matter anymore because the fans came out. What I was worried about the most was that they they had to be stopped, right? And why did this have to be stopped? Because if it didn't get stopped, it would have been the end of soccer as we know it, fundamentally. Teams like Napoli, oh, dude, you're done. You're done. The Because yeah. here's the thing. Serie A TV revenue would almost become worthless at that point. And because yeah. there'd be no like Champions League that would really matter, the source of revenue for a team like Napoli would fucking collapse. It would fucking collapse, right? And that's not even talking about the lower league teams, right? That's a whole fucking yeah. different thing entirely. Um, so what had to happen to stop this was going to be firm action from FIFA and UEFA. And they were th- making threats. They were making threats that I would have never expected them to make, right? And obviously we're not p- fucking shedding out tears or whatever the fuck for FIFA or UEFA, but for them to say, we're going to ban these teams from European competition. If you play in this Super League, you're going to be banned from the World Cup, right? For them to say yeah. shit like that, okay, those are some pretty solid threats. I was saying, put your money where your mouth is. Relegate all of them immediately. Relegate yeah. all of them immediately. Because they were all saying, Juventus, Manchester, all these 12 clubs are saying, yeah, we still want to play in our domestic league. Relegate them. Fuck them. Because if, yeah. if you give them uh-uh. an inch, it's over. The fact that they were doing this cautious rhetoric of, okay, yeah, w- w- so we're going to like ban them from Champions League, but like not this season. We're going to wait till next season. Oh, no. my God. Like to me, no, that man. was big fucking red flag. But luckily, once again, since the fans really came out hard, like, dude, Arsenal got ratioed to hell. Because Arsenal is like, what, in like 10th place right now in the fucking Premier League? Like, what right do they have to be in a fucking European Super League? Um, But I'm sorry. I saw you both had something to say and I just fucking. No, but like, like, Arsenal's a perfect example that like, it's, it's like they're resting on their laurels of shit that they accomplished like 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, for the longest time, Liverpool didn't do shit until like last two or three years. You know what I mean? And then they started winning Mm -hmm. everything. It's just this, they're, they're living in this nostalgic like idea of their own superiority and it's fucking, I don't know, fucking bullshit. And it just goes to show this is an interesting, you know, it's an important subject because I mean, this is big money, you know, what did you say? The, the owners of the Fiat company, right? Everybody knows Fiat, you know, probably some of the most notorious capitalists in uh, Italy, right? They're a part of this. There's so much money wrapped up in soccer and right now soccer has this relatively like there's still some relatively democratic quote-unquote side to it this would be the full like just it would be very much an americanization of of your of of sports of of soccer yeah 100 and like a bit tangential but didn't gramsci start his organizing career organizing fiat workers or some shit I mean, 
Well, I mean, like, it's Italy. So, like, if you're, you know, some of the most militant labor struggles in Italian history were in the northern factories. Yeah. Um, it was either northern factories or in the farms of the south. Yeah. So it was, you know, southern peasants attacking their landlords. And then in the north, uh, usually, yeah, fiat has been a big, big part of this, especially since the 70s. Um, matter of fact, the years of lead got kicked off. Um, in 68, uh, you could say 1968, 1969, with the massive upsurge of labor struggle in northern Italy, uh, concentrated around these factories. And who are the fan bases of a lot of these soccer teams? The very workers who, you know, do that shit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, goddamn Super League, right? Um, but yes, <laughs> it looks like it's not going to happen. Um, so that's cool. Uh, Thank fuck. And uh, Bob Woodward's head rolled. Right, so I'll, I'll be praying that Andrea and Yelly's head rolls, but I won't be getting my hopes up. Yeah. And Florentino Perez, he's full, he's full Satan. Like he doesn't give a fuck. He's, right, and everybody. He's just, a bad, he he's just a he's he's a bad person. Like just yeah, yeah. Like soulless. like I suppose like I suppose a Juventus fan can like delude themselves into this weird kind of like us against the world mentality. Real Madrid, no, come on, you guys are the bad guys. Like just keep it, just own it, <laughs> just own it. You know. Yeah, like and like going back to exactly what we're talking about, like. I guess Juventus fans can get away with all, oh, you know, my grandparents came up to the North to work in the Fiat, whatever. And that's how we're blah, blah, blah. R- Real Madrid was Franco's favorite soccer team during his entire fucking dictator. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like there's big, they, oh, no. they have nothing. They have nothing to fucking like, like rest on. Exactly. And this is why I say Juventus, you know, they're not the fascist team in Italy, right? Lazio. We all know who they are. Right. Um, yeah. Not for me, Juventus, they're the team of the bourgeois. They're exactly the bourgeoisie team. And the only reason I say this is because they're owned by Fiat, right? They're literally owned by some of the richest fucks in Italy. Um, But anyways, yeah, I think I think maybe we've talked enough soccer for one episode. I don't know. I could talk forever. Um, In fact, we can never talk about enough soccer, but I guess we'll keep it rolling. What else? (laughs) News, news of the day. (laughs) News of the day, bro. The fucking trial. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, so here's the thing, T. I don't know why you would be shocked by this. This result was super predictable. Right? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. We're just we're gonna. We, we just, we're gonna <laughs> I mean, subtweet, uh, subtweet, subtweet. <laughs> 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 well, I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah. Really? Please. Yeah. I guess so. I don't look. I keep it real with you. I did not expect. I mean, maybe I'm just completely just totally blackpilled on the so-called justice system. But I didn't expect like three guilty like verdicts. I really didn't. Um, I, I don't know. What did you guys think? Yo, so I'm, so I'm definitely like being, so I was definitely being a dick, right? Honestly, I put it this way. Am I shocked that this happened? I don't know if I'd say I'm shocked. I am pleasantly surprised. I'll put it that way. Right. Yeah. It's not that I like saw this as no, there's no way. I thought there was a chance that be- just because of the backlash, right? Like just oh right. my god, if if you know, not saying that like a bunch of people got in a smoke filled room and was like, we need to make sure this verdict goes through, or else there's going to be more fucking riots. Let's get just the the mood in the country, right? Like I I don't know, like it's I I get it, I get being blackpilled toward the justice system. Don't get me wrong, like. If somebody like told me to put my money on it, I probably would have said that he would have been. Uh, I would have. Here's what I. Here's what I thought was going to happen. I thought he was going to get manslaughter. I thought that was pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. Um. 
the fact that he got like the full ass the, all, all three counts like damn okay that that is once again pleasantly uh surprised to have seen that happen um but i don't know yeah what about you leroy Nah, like i'm the same page as you like pleasantly surprised that i think was gonna get all three maybe not he'll probably i i expect at least he'll probably get like one of the lower ones like mag manslaughter um but he got all three guilty verdicts. And let's not forget, like, people are coming out, especially liberals, like, oh, this is a victory for the justice system. Oh, this will show police. During the actual dissemination of the verdict, cops killed a 15-year-old kid in Columbus. Like, at, yeah, at the same time, yeah, what was happening. Right? I mean, let's not fucking forget that. And, like, un- unfortunately, like, I'm embarrassed to say, like, I don't I don't know the name of the victim. But um, look it up. It was a 15-year-old kid. I think I'm pretty sure it was in Columbus. got killed by police. And, like, one of my fucking favorite things is fucking these liberals being fucking liberals. Pelosi coming out and saying that, like, <sighs> did, you, did you guys see this? How she came out was basically saying, oh, like, you know, we're, 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 we're pleased with, with the verdict. Um, George Floyd, like, sacrificed himself for this fucking result and shit. And then the mayor of Minneapolis, the fucking, like, millennial white piece of fucking whatever the fuck basically said the same thing like all you know sacrifices have been made and blah, blah like that that that's how it is for liberals it's all it's fucking like transactional shit that like people have died so to make america a better place it's 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 this it's this sort of disguise like american exceptionalism it's like when they fucking come out trying to be anti-racist and or like yeah anti-racist or like pro-immigrant and like oh you know America is a better place because of, you know, of slavery, you know, you know, illegal immigration makes America, you know, a better place thinking they're doing everybody a favor, thinking they're being anti-racist when they're basically just justifying the perpetuation of these oppressive, violent fucking institutions. You know what I mean? Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Yo. Um, yeah. First of all, her name was Micaiah Bryant. Um, the you're you referring go. to the girl uh, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and that's power. once again, another. Yeah, exactly. That's just an example of how, to me, this guilty verdict for Derek Chauvin was it good news? Of course, it was good news. Was it? Um, I mean, does it change really anything? No, it doesn't really change anything. To me, the reason I celebrate this guilty verdict is for George Floyd's family, right? So his yeah. family can have at least some sort of closure. So the people in Minneapolis can have some sort of closure, right? 100%. When I think about you know policing, right, and cops, oh, there's still obviously a, a whole lot of way to go. And of course, you know, like you were saying, Leroy Liberals are already trying to portray this as, oh, I saw Joe Biden even said some shit like, oh, hopefully this is a, a step forward and blah, blah, blah. Man, shut the fuck up. He doesn't Seriously, give man. a fuck, right? Um, so it's, once again, it's it's amazing to see some of the spin uh, that's been going on. Uh, yeah, go ahead, T. Yeah, you know, let's, I, I, I just, we cannot concede anything to the, to these Democrats because let's not forget for the past year, it's been largely Democrat mayors in Democrat run cities with their police departments running roughshod on people, on protesters in cities across the country. Um, you know, Minneapolis is no different. Um, this what Democrats are really good at and what they're fond of doing is whenever there's a social movement happening, they like to run. It's the cla- they like to run to the front of the parade and say that they were uh, the captain the whole time. That's what they do. That's what they do. And that's yeah. why, like you said, Leroy, they when they do try to do that shit like Pelosi's just absolutely. Dis- it was ridiculous. Frankly, it was clown shit. It's- 
Pelosi, absolutely fucking gross. Um, they they fall they fall over themselves. They stick their foot in their mouth. You remember what was it when they all did that? They knelt or whatever. They did that photo op of them kneeling with the fucking like uh like sashes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Racism solved. Yeah, exactly. The, you the, mean when, they, just, when they solved racism? I, yeah, right. When they solved racism, I. And honestly, Austin, like you said, like I just i I hope George's family gets some measure of peace. So over the weekend, I you know not to ramble and you know jump in if you want. I read uh, Mariama Kaba's book. Uh, we we do this till we free us. I read it in one sitting on a slow day at work. It was it, um, we had just been slow, and I I said. It, it's it's a phenomenal read and I highly recommend it on on police abolition prison abolition, but you know, reading that book I'm just kind of ambivalent about these decisions now. Like I don't know. It's like you said, Austin. Like it doesn't change anything fundamentally. Your black pill. It no no. It's not even that. It's it's just more. We shouldn't. The reason why we're surprised is because the justice, the so-called justice system. Um, did something that it doesn't normally do, right? Because when it does, you know, when cops get let off, when uh, black people are murdered with no, you know, with no fucking justice, that's the system working as intended, right? That is how the system is supposed to work. So when we see a decision like this, it's kind of, it's a little jarring. And so we don't know... We don't know whether to celebrate. We don't know whether to just move on. We don't know really much of anything because it's just it. There's a there's a dissonance there. If you if I'm making any sense, sure. I of course have no shame in celebrating. Um, I love seeing assholes go to jail for the rest of their lives. Right, I think that's fun. Um, now, what I, of course, will add to that as an addendum uh, is that fundamentally just the way that uh, prisons are set up in our society, uh, they're not set up to help anybody, right? They're not set up to actually, um, I don't know, literally do good for the people that are going in there. Um, they are not <laughs> places for rehabilitation whatsoever. Um, and because of that, I think that's a big part of why prisons are a uh, are just bad in our society. Uh, but once again, still, I, once again, I laugh, uh, as uh, the verdict was getting unrolled. Um, I was brought joy. So I don't know if that counts for anything. Uh, but once again, I celebrated. Yeah. Also, let's not forget as well. Like I don't have the exact figures. He's only the eighth cop in like 20 years to be convicted of murder from like 15,000 police killings or some shit. So like, Small drop in a massive bucket. So I mean, it's like you said, like this is this is almost an aberration of what we come to expect from the so-called justice system. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what the fallout is. You know, solidarity with everyone in the streets, especially in Minnesota, not just there in Minneapolis, but in Brooklyn mm-hmm. Center as well, who are who are who are going through their own shit as well, um, and everyone around the, the the country in the U.S. going through some shit and going to be on the streets. Tonight, and of course, either celebrating, defending their, you know, making making themselves known. So take care of y'all and AKB all day. 
for real, for real. And of course, you know, sentencing still has to take place. Um, that's what about eight weeks from now. Um, so that's something to look at. Um, I just, I don't know, man, when it comes to like, if you had asked, and I'm, I'm not even playing, if you had asked me the, the day before I read that book, Kaba's book, who, if you are not familiar, um, I don't know why any of our listeners wouldn't be. She's a very, you know, well-known organizer related to prison abolition. If you had asked me a day before I read her book, um, would I be like celebrating this? I probably, I would have said yes, but this shit just fucking unmoored me. Like the, we're trying to get out of, we're trying to transcend vengeance and transcend punishment as our, as our default. And I, at the same time though, like I'm conflicted about this and I'm, I'm laying this conflict, this personal tension I have it. Cause on the one hand, yeah, I'm glad that this motherfucker is going to get, you know, some fucking, you know, he's going to face some consequences again, because it's so rare for us to see that shit. But then on the other hand, I, I, I think like yeah. it, it's still, it doesn't solve it, which again, this is, I guess the third time we've said that in the, in the course of a single bit, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm really, I'm really conflicted, you know, because like I used to define myself as an, like an aspirational abolitionist, right? It was one of those things where, you know, I want to live in a world without cops and cages and all and borders and all that stuff. But that's not abolition. There is no such thing as aspirational abolition uh, because abolition is as totalizing of a politics, both in terms of your ideological and yeah. pragmatic commitments. It's as totalizing as the system it seeks to subvert and overthrow. Right. So she talks about in the book how there's a lot of things that people who are not abolitionists who can support things like, you know, defunding the cops or dismantling police departments or cutting their budgets or, you know, a whole rack of things. But abolitionism and I guess the reason I'm harping on this is because it's become very trendy for people to define themselves as abolitionists. It's become, yeah. you know, we have Democrats and liberals saying, oh, I believe in defunding the police. Oh, I'm a prison abolitionist. Really? Are they though? Because I feel because yeah. if, you know, yeah. Kaba being an expert and other organizers being experts, it is a commitment that like it is it it profound in its implications. And I don't think people have really considered what it means to truly try to transcend the cycle of vengeance and punishment and aggression, not transcending consequences or getting rid of accountability. Far from it. It's an attempt to make accountability real. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think a lot of it comes down to like we've fabricated this entire society of ours over the last however many hundred years as a carceral society, right? And right. us three specifically coming from from highly and acutely policed communities. You know what I mean? It's almost like again, I could be talking shit here, but people talk about how like the the cycle of abuse. So you have abusive grandparents who abuse the kids, who then they abuse their kids, who then abuse their kids. So all you know is, well, if someone does something wrong, we're going to punish them a certain way. You know what I mean? So coming from, and I know specifically in my, my case, coming from a highly overtly police community, sometimes it is a struggle to imagine dealing with our society in, in a different way. And, I, and I'm like you, sometimes I, I'll, 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 I don't know if I use the words like aspirational, um, aspirational abolitionist, but I'll think of that. Yeah, well, it'd be great without having prisons, police officers, blah, 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 blah. 
but getting there and actually you know actually believing what it is are two completely different things and i think that's one of those things one of those self-crit things that we need to work on as well coming sort of coming coming to terms and sort of overcoming this internalized trauma generational trauma of slavery of being highly policed of being you know coming from the communities we come from and transcending that if that makes any sense no it does and like i'll tell you what like with i think back you know i was fucking glad i was fucking glad when after the bolivian coup was overthrown to see Inez dragged out like that to see you know death squad leaders getting uh, finally for a change we get to see them you know fucking running and shit you know we never see that in, in latin american countries right so I can't, I, I, I admit that. And, you know, everything I'm saying here is very much just like, <sighs> I'm conflicted, man. And I have a lot more to learn and a lot more to study and a lot more people to talk to. It's a and process, just... man. For, growth growth it, is a for process, real. man. Like, it's not going to happen overnight. For real. I, I would ask, like, I don't know, that, or I would say, I don't know that it made me glad to see Janine Añez get arrested as much as it was necessary, as much as it had to happen to prevent this from happening again, right? Like, I think a more visceral example is Venezuela, right? Do you just mm. let Leopoldo Lopez do whatever the fuck he wants, right? Do you just say, oh, okay, yeah, fuck it. Foment these fucking guarimbas to fucking sabotage society. Okay, you're good, right? Or do you, once again, hold him accountable? And what the fuck is holding, holding him accountable look like? You know, aside from saying, hey, asshole, you're not running for office. Go fuck yourself. You know? Um, but I, it's complicated. It definitely is. It definitely is. And, you know, something to talk about is the differences between, like, uh, uh, consequences and punishment, which I guess, again, I'm still, like, learning yeah. more about this, this subject, about prison abolition and, and what it means and, like, really, like, the deeper side of it. And, you know, there is a difference between consequences and punishment, you know? So consequences would be like a loss of privilege and status. So like banning someone like Leopoldo Lopez, it's not killing him and it's not caging him, you know, even if he may deserve such, you know, actions, death squad leaders, like uh, uh fucking um, what's his face. I'm blanking out on his name from Bolivia, the far right guy Camacho. that ran Cam Camacho. Yeah. Camacho. Camacho. Um, yeah. <laughs> like him, like not able, you know, banning him from running from public office isn't punishment that's consequences that's consequences of trying to of, of trying to lead a death squad or you know fomenting insurrection against a, you know a democratic government that had been responsive to the people for the past like 15 fucking years you know um again one person's consequences is another person's punishment so i don't fucking know i'm i'm still learning i'm fucked up about it <laughs> yeah, i was just gonna say what about putting leopoldo lopez in house arrest it's in a mansion or something? Is that consequences or is that punishment? Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, man, that, that, that Escobar prison, you already know. Yeah. With like hippos and shit. It's, um, this is yeah, what we man. call the, the dialectic. This is a dialectical <sighs> situation. Yeah. So, that we need to come to grips with. But yeah, man, like it's, look, it's definitely, I think, a positive what happened today. But, I think it's what matters. It's, well, like, it'll come down. To, it'll come back. No, go ahead. Yo, uh, like, like I said at the beginning, like for me, like 
the positive that I draw from it is that George, I hopeful, I hope George Floyd's family can have some sort of closure. Yes. That's the positive, right? That's, that is why I say I celebrate, right? I celebrate because his family deserves some sort of closure and I hope that they were able to get that. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Absolutely. Like that is really, that's probably the three. Yeah. Not, I was just going to say, um, let's not forget that the trial for the other three starts in August as well. So we need to look out for that because they're just as complicit. Their fucking knees weren't on his neck, but they're just as complicit because they allowed it to happen. They set the literal stage for it to happen. So fuck them too. Fuck them too. And like I said, it can't much. Anyway. Amen. Somber. Amen. Um, any 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 good news? Any other good news? Did you guys hear about um, Biden coming out? Apparently, the administration coming out supporting DC as the fifty first state. Um, and the <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, something I, like I, Washington. Instead of saying instead of being Washington District of Columbia, it's like Washington District, or um, of, or it was like Washington Douglas Common Douglas Commonwealth or some shit after Frederick Douglas. So they'll keep Washington D.C., but change what D.C. means to like Douglas Commonwealth or some shit. Really? Yeah, look it up. It's it's yeah yeah some shit like that. Um, but like, it just makes me smile because you know all the fucking Benepes and the straight hooded Puerto Rican straight hooders are all fucking like, <laughs> you know, like crying and melting and shit and whatever, man. Be beyond the emotional beyond the emotional satisfaction. Um, I think one po- definite positive of this, beyond you know, beyond the fact that yeah, Washington D.C. absolutely should be the fifty-first state. That is a civil rights issue. But beyond that, you know, from our perspectives as independentistas, it's I like that they're decoupling this in their minds at least that the liberals and and maybe the White House is de- is decoupling the idea of Washington yeah. D.C. and Puerto Rico, bring them in as the next states. I, I like that. That is a positive development for us, I I think. I have two things to say to that. One, I think the reason that development has happened, the development you've just, just described, uh, uh, one of the biggest reasons that development has happened in the past uh, few months, uh, we have to give her some sort of credit as much as it pains us. Nydia Velasquez is because Nydia Velasquez is a member of Democratic yeah. leadership that just happens to be old school Pepe Day. So people like Chuck Schumer, when they're thinking, okay, how can I protect my Puerto Rican constituency in New York? He's looking straight to Nydia Velasquez. And because Nydia just hap- once again happens to be old school popular, eh? you know, she's more than happy to fucking uh, um, to give the narrative that no, this statehood stuff is bullshit. And that once again, the, the Puerto Rico Self-Determination Act, all that stuff. These old school Democrats like Schumer, like Biden, they look at Nydia and they trust her on this shit. And that's why that's been a big part of upsetting that narrative, I, I would argue. Like, because this is, uh, it's the, that, that has been the establishment dem aspect of it. The second thing I was going to say is that uh, last year when I was talking to Raul Ra- Ra- Grijalva in his office about this stuff, I'll never forget one of the first things Where he said to me Ra- and the Ra- others. Ra- yeah, mate. <laughs> no, he's no big deal. You know? <laughs> you know, I, do, I do big things, man. It is what it is. You know? Um, no, but seriously, when I was talking to him in his office, he said something I'll never forget, which is he said something to the effect of, yes, when I talk to the state herders, I always tell them, you have to understand there is a line and you are not in first. Right. And it's true. There is for statehood. There is a line and you guys are not in first. D.C. is right. D.C. is first in line for any sort of statehood conversations. And that's an unavoidable fact. 
um mm-hmm. the homeboy i forget what his name is some one of our fun mutuals on twitter said something to the effect of uh, uh penepes have to realize that there's no universe where puerto rican statehood happens where dc statehood hasn't happened and one of the biggest reasons that i agree yeah. with that is because of just like i said that grielva said there's a fucking line and if dc doesn't get statehood for very good reason the congressional black caucus will raise hell if Puerto Rico gets statehood, because it will literally have been a blatantly racist decision. It will have been a blatant decision of, oh, you know, there's a little bit too many black people in this state. Let's not give them statehood. That would literally be the basis of that decision. Just a completely, if DC was not to get statehood, it would be based yeah. in total racism. Um, anyways, Leroy. Which, which, which is interesting as well, because that'll speak to their anti-blackness of Puerto Ricans as well. Um, because, sure. because of I, course, you know ignoring it yeah yeah but um, absolutely i something i meant to, sorry something i meant to say on our previous episode when we talked about the uh the natural resources committee hearing um something that really struck with me when i kept seeing pierre luisi and jennifer and uh, all these other fox consistently talk about oh equal rights equal rights equal rights you know it really suddenly dawned on me equal rights for who right they're not talking about afro boricos right they're talking about equal rights for white puerto ricans that's what they're talking about pierre luisi and jennifer want equal rights for white puerto ricans so white puerto ricans can have senators and white puerto ricans can have members of congress that's what they're fighting for yeah go ahead leroy no a thousand percent they're not talking about equal rights for puerto ricans in fucking hayuya or utuado or Hell no. Loisa, mm-hmm. that's historically black town in Puerto Rico. You know what I mean? They're not talking about the fucking right. Hiboros that still exist in the mountains. They're talking about fucking San Juan. They're talking about the 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 gentrifiers in Rincon and all the gentrifiers of Vieques as well. That's a very, very good point. Very good point, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's man. um we'll we'll see what happens, but I think that's positive news for in my in my book. Cause just I mean even if nothing comes of it, just knowing that Puerto Rican state hooders are at home right now, fucking like you know, between their legs, <laughs> like, having a hissy fit, brings fills me up with joy. Fills me up with joy because you know the the young dem, the young PR dem troll bot farm are 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 up crafting their next fucking propaganda PR campaigns that they're gonna drop and attacking us and shit. So bring it, bring it. We'll see what happens. You know, like something that they, they, God, this, that is such a good point that y'all are making. Like they don't, they're, they're looking for equal Pierre Luisi and Gonzalez both are just mad that they don't have the same like political and speaking of political in a narrow sense, political rights as their compatriots in the United States, because they've turned their back on the islands. They don't give a fuck about the islands. Let's not forget that Gonzalez was, you know, with Trump uh, when he went down there after the hurricane um, uh, with the fucking paper towel incident. Um, fucking, uh, that, that's what they're anything. after. They, they, they want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God, I just, I, I need liberals in the United States to understand the kinds of people that are involved in statehood. And yes, we're broken records on this, but it is Trumpist Republicans that are part of their coalition. Don't forget that, you know? It's neoliberals and Trumpist Republicans together pushing this this fucking uh, statehood so that they can have further control. The debt will still have to be paid. You know, there's no evidence that anything would change to the benefit of, uh, you know, working class... 
Americans and God forbid Afro Boricuas, like nothing or, or, you know, folks from Vieques and shit. Like it's, it's not going to happen. They just want to, Oh God, that's, it's fucked, man. It's absolutely fucked. Um, not to change the subject, but y'all see that, um, Pedro Castillo's leading the, the, the latest poll in Peru. So interesting thing about like with Peru, like, did you see, um, Raul <laughs> Castro talking about how, um, like, uh, fucking, uh, you know, one of the tasks of the revolution has been to improve, uh, its social policy, especially around gender and shit like that. Right. Um, this has been yeah. one of the things that, he came out, um, he came out and said he was disappointed. people are criticizing. Right. And it's one of the things that, um, it's an interesting contrast, but what we see with Peru Libre currently. So I think that's very fascinating, but T you completely ignored what Leroy just said like 10 seconds ago, which was, wow, Pedro Castillo is leading in the polls. And what are our reactions to that? Um, my personal reaction is that, holy shit. Right. Because I did see that poll as well, Leroy. I think um, here's the thing. I said this on our last podcast and I'll say this again. I refuse to get my hopes up about Peru. I refuse. Peru has burned me too many times in the past. Right. I ref- even if I see Pedro polling well, even if Keiko is so fucking corrupt, she literally can't like leave Lima. Right. That's hilarious um, because for legal reasons. Lit- Jesus. Literally. Literally. She can't yeah, literally. campaign. Um. Like the, the this is like I said, I'll say it again. I was bullish on Ecuador because, dude, the left has always won in Ecuador for like 15 fucking years. Right. I'm going to be bullish on Peru because, dude, the right wing has been dominant in Peru for so fucking long. I just can't conceive of a world where this guy comes out of nowhere who's like got legit leftist creds, although problematic. We've talked about this in the past. Um, I can't see this world where Pedro Castillo comes out and wins Peru. Like, to say that would be a sea change, like, dude, that would be earth-shattering. Because to me, in my mind at that point, the pressure's almost on Gustavo Petro in that, look what happened to Vero. She did this, oh, I'm a progressive thing, and crashed and burned. And look at Castillo. He said, no, guess what? I don't give a fuck. And he won. So what are you going to do, Petro? Are you going to, well, I don't know, I don't like Maduro. Or are you going to say, no, I'm a 21st century socialist like the rest of them. Right and be proud and be bold. Um, but I don't know. That's a whole nother. I'm getting somewhere else. Go ahead, Leroy. No, that's 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 a very good point. And let's not forget as well that um a lot of the fash from Bolivia, at the moment, are sitting with Luis Almagro in Washington, probably debriefing from what happened in Ecuador. <laughs> and also, if Pedro Castillo were to if if Pedro Castillo were to win in Peru, like I think all that all that'll do is get all the force, all the U- U.S. backed forces in Colombia to sort of, you know, circle the wagons, tighten the grip, and escalate the fuckery because a lot of them like the Uruvistas or whatever they're 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 the dominant force they might they might be getting sloppy this not whatever but with a pedro castillo win forget it yo so three things to that one um dude i made that exact same joke about the almagro meeting the bolivians are meeting with almagro so they can debrief okay what went right with ecuador so that we fucked up in bolivia right so how can yeah. we copy the same strategies uh, so don't be surprised when the bolivian yaku paris happens you know some crazy shit like that um number two uh you dude oh my god the i think I just, once again, I really just can't get my hopes up about Peru. I can't. I refuse. I refuse to do it. I refuse to do it. And number three, Petro uh, and uh, Colombia. Uh, 
they will literally just steal it. Like that's the thing about Colombia. They will literally yeah. just steal it. Like if Petro saying, yeah. is exactly they'll like that's a fucking foregone conclusion. Like it would have to be it's like uh, T you and I used to say it would have to be like uh like really huge numbers to where like it's impossible to steal but I I don't I I don't know if I would ever see that happening in Colombia uh, let alone Peru which is a whole a whole other animal. Well yeah, you know, I've definitely said it before, say it again. Um I think the left is safe in Venezuela just as the right is safe in Colombia. The only way the left gets dislodged out of Venezuela is military force. And I think the same with Colombia. The only way the right is dislodged out of Colombia is through military force. I don't, I cannot possibly imagine a world where it happens peacefully. Now you could then respond, well, what are y'all talking about? You're talking about Peru, which in many cases in this is in the exact same uh, situation as has been Colombia. In fact, they did, you know, they also resisted a you know, say what you want about them, um, did uh, fight, you know, Sendero Luminoso, who let's not, you know, people forget they almost took Lima, right? They almost went all the way. Um, And it seems now that we do have a leftist challenger who might win peacefully in Peru. So, I mean, fuck, shit, anything's possible. Yeah, leftist challenger with, once again, like, like, kind of ties slash not ties with like Zendero, like whatever. Like once again, it's like a whole thing, but that's, which is insane in and of itself. Like I can't fathom the fact that by the end of this year, one of Gonzalo or Alberto Fujimori might be out of jail. Like that's the situation we're dealing with right now. If like, if Pedro wins, we might see Gonzalo get out of jail. And if Keiko wins, we will see Fujimori let out of jail. So like, I would have never in a million years predicted this. But, dude, this is what's so crazy about all of this. Like, it's it's I I can't dare myself to dream about a future with Pedro Castillo as president of Peru. But what that means is that we're talking about a future with Kaiko Fujimori as president of Peru. Oh, God. We talking about worst case scenarios. Bro, that's a nightmare. Like, this is like I can't I can't even begin to like fully unpack the potential outcomes from the the second round in Peru like it's everything's on the table everything's on the table like i dude that's why fucking Vargas Llosa's coming out and showing his ass and talking about Kaiko you know like oh yeah go ahead Leroy i was going to say you want to talk about vindictiveness if if Keiko Fujimori wins she's clearing house of everybody in fucking Peru which is why Vargas Llosa, who dared to challenge her father back in 1990s, coming out, yeah, maybe we should like uh, blah, 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 to try to, you know, wash his hands to try to like, you know, curry some favor, whatever. Because if Fujimori wins, you're going to see that mass exodus of even centrist people who kind of had uh, not so nice things to say about Alberto Fujimori fucking leave or just get slaughtered, man. And like, I mean that literally. I don't mean that all, you know, everyone's going to die. I mean that fucking literally, man. Yo. The biggest wild card for me is like, uh, once again, Kaiko's dwindling base, right? We talked about this before. Like, she barely made the fucking runoff. But if she was to get elected, like, I I could easily see her. 
I could easily see her dissolve Congress at some point, right? Her dad literally yeah. did. Oh, God, easy. The fact that Congress and uh, the president have had such beefs uh, lately. And if Pedro gets elected, they will shred the Constitution. Like, that's a guarantee. They will shred the Fujimori Constitution. So, uh, once again, a lot of different outcomes uh, happening here. Go ahead, T. Yeah, I mean, that is true, you know, just to follow up kind of on that. Um, the the story of Peru right now is has been this conflict between the legislature and the executive. So I think regardless of who gets in, and again, let's let's not forget, this is very much a communist versus fascist election, not an exaggeration. Uh, Fujimori is a fascist. Um, Castillo is a communist, you know, let's keep it real here. Whoever gets in is going to be dealing with a deeply fractured and a deeply divided legislature, notoriously so, notoriously fractured and divided. Um, the only thing it seems to agree on is protecting its own privileges and power, right? So whoever gets in is probably going to face severe uh, challenges, if not impeachments. I could see either one of them dissolving Congress or the dissolving the legislature, Here's the thing. I, I don't know that fully applies to Pedro Castillo only because his literal campaign promises a constituent assembly. Like I'm not right. even talking about Congress or dissolve it. Like what Congress will there be dissolved if it's fucking like shredded in the constitution? Like the fact that he's literally campaigned on that and it, like he's campaigned on, here's the thing. He's campaigned on it with popular support, right? What do we do on this podcast? We cover Latin American topics, constitutional conventions, that's a thing, right? That's a yeah. thing that Peruvians have watched Venezuelans do. They've watched Ecuadorians do it. They've watched Bolivians do it. They're currently watching Chileans do it. You think the average Peruvian doesn't see all that and go, why the fuck can't my country do that? They absolutely yeah. are. I think you could, I think if Peru Libre wins, they will absolutely go forward with it and they would have popular support to shred the constitution. I really fucking do. Um, which in my, which why I say like, I feel like that almost sidesteps the question of Congress entirely to a certain extent. Yeah. And let's not forget, let's, you know, let's go back in time. Let's go back in time to 20 years ago when, you know, a special person rose in Venezuela and, and movements rose up. What was the thing that they were most proud of that we discussed way back on our, you know, episodes about constitutions, right? They would hold up that new constitution that was one of Chavez's yeah. main promises. Yeah. That was the beginning of the Bolivarian Revolution in Venezuela that had went on, that goes on to influence everything else. And you know, these other countries like Peru, as you said, Austin, are just are people who are waiting and, and seeing seeing what's happened in these other countries for so long. I mean, if they this could be their touchstone. This could be like the deepening of the of the bull maybe not you know it's just a new form of 21st century socialism you know it's it's next uh developments i mean it could be huge it absolutely could be huge i mean i just god i it's so unthinkable that i cannot wrap my mind around it i just can't yeah i i, I once again i refuse to get my hopes up uh once again I was bullish on Ecuador. I'm going to be bullish on Peru. I don't, I just can't fathom Pedro Castillo winning. I really can't. And once again, not because it's all, it's this dream that I can't even dare to whisper into existence. No, it's just, no, I feel like the right wing is so entrenched, man. Like even as unpopular as Kaiko may be, even as like, oh my God, Fujimori, another Fujimori, what the fuck? Like, 
no, I, I just think in the end, I think Peruvian liberals, conservatives, they'll all coalesce around Keiko. They're, yeah. they're already doing it right now. Yeah, 100%, because at the end of the day, what rules? Fucking capital. You know what I mean? Before, during the primaries and the first rounds, it's like, oh, let's see what's going on. When it comes down to like to the actual finish line, capital is going always to back their its interest, and that'll be King of Fujimori. Um, like I said, like I don't want to get my hopes up. Hopefully, Pedro Castillo um, pulls it off, and then we can push him left on on so on on social things. Um, but we'll see, man. We'll fucking see. This yeah. shit got bleak again. Like, what the fuck? Is there like any other happenings yeah, before? Like. I'm hey fuck that I'm 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 like I said it, Peru is a fucked up place but I'm 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 excited by what's going on I have to say very excited about what's going on I expected Peru to be boring as fuck in the presidential election so for it to be extremely like high stakes I sure as shit wasn't seeing that coming <laughs> yeah man anyway should we just put a bone out there because we're like ah, good we're passing hour here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with that. Cool. So, yeah, Austin, you're gonna sorry. say something? No, sorry. Go ahead, Leroy. No, I was gonna say, um, yeah. So that's. To be honest, I think that was a bit more current eventsy than it is a, an after dark ish. Usually on the proper after darks, we 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 bullshit a bit more, because um, we actually got really serious about something. Anyway, I suppose. T, are you gonna say something? No, 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 go on. Um, um, but yeah, so I suppose there's a taste of an after dark because obviously, I, I guess it was a bit, a lot more casual than their typical current events or comrade conversations or whatever. Um, but if you want more, if you want more, um, tomfoolery and um, dudes being dudes and dudes rock, uh, donate to the Patreon, get access to the proper after darks where we can let loose a little bit more and um. Just have a bunch of fun. And also you'd be donating to the cause, of course, um, and bringing that awareness to the struggle in Latin America and the third world and the global south and shit. Yes, Austin. Uh, speaking of donating to the cause, may I make a plug real quick? Is that cool? 100%, plug? 100%. For one of our dearest. Yeah. For one of our dearest homies. Okay, yeah. So a couple episodes ago, uh, some of our listeners may recall we had a an amazing comrade conversation. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. Uh, with our dear friend, uh, our dear comrade, Arepa Libre, uh, who is a uh, Viacense, right from, from Vieques uh, in Puerto Rico. Uh, well, our, our dear friend Arepa Libre has fallen upon uh, some hard times lately uh, after uh, some, some medical issues. Um, so if, if there's a, a humble, uh, a, a, I humbly request anybody who, who has the means, please, if you could make any sort of a, uh, uh, donation or, or monetary contribution to, to helping Arepa uh, get things back together for, for her life on the islands. Um, feel free to, to send her some send her some cash over to her Venmo, um, which you can find at Arepa Libre. Nice and simple, right? Venmo at Arepa Libre. Once again, please. Yep. I if there's you know I don't <clears throat> I don't like asking people to do things, right? Uh, which is why I'm going to demand you motherfuckers give Arepa Libre mm-hmm. some money. If you don't donate at least five fucking dollars to Arepa Libre, you're fucking dead to me. It's literally that simple. Yeah. So put your money, literally put your money where your mouth is. If you support yeah, exactly. like the liberatory struggle in Puerto Rico and Vieques. Hey, reparations. You, uh, reparations, you fucks. Yeah. This is called reparate. What did I say on our current conversation? Come on. 
Exactly. What I say on our <laughs> what did I say on our Conrad conversation? Viequenses and Colerans get triple motherfucking reparations. So right. so Puerto Rican listeners, you're not safe. You owe these motherfuckers reparations too. Right? That includes you two fucks who I'm looking at right now. Oh yeah. And yeah. me. Oh yeah. Right? No. You think I'm about, yeah. about to not about to donate literally once we're done with this episode? That's literely what I'm about to do. So at Arepa Libre. Now, in all in all seriousness, on all seriousness, Arepa Libre is one of the best comrades that I know that I've been able to to have the pleasure of meeting uh, through the work we do. Yeah. So please, uh, if you could help her out, absolutely, cool. absolutely, much love to much yeah. love to Arepa, much love. And in saying that, if you haven't listened to that comrade conversation with her, what are you doing? Go check it out, um, and then donate or donate, listen to it, and then donate again. Probably. There, there it is. Anyway, um, yeah. Let's call it a night. Um, Austin, don't die from your um, 5G, please. Um, T, good luck weaning off the medication. But I know. Yeah, I know. Fuck. Anyway, damn. See, see everybody next time. See everybody next time. Thanks for listening. Uh, donate to the Patreon for more of this type of content or even sillier content. Um, but with that said, hasta la victoria. Peace. Later, y'all. Peace, y'all. Peace, y'all.